When life gets tough, it may seem impossible to ever find peace again. God hasn't given up hope on you. Don't lose hope on Him. Don't lose hope. You're going through a difficult time. Believe that Jesus is able. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. How you handle adversity will determine your outlook and how others view God. Today, Robert Quintana offers five steps to allowing God to arise in your life when life gets difficult. In part one of his message, Mission Possible. Anybody here ever go through difficult times? Anyone here ever experienced that when you go through a difficult time, it's hard to allow God to arise in your life? You know, when we go through difficult times in life, sometimes it's easy for us to say, oh, you know what? God isn't listening. God doesn't care. Sometimes when we go through difficult times in life, we stop going to church. We disassociate. We pull back from whatever ministry we're involved in. So I want to answer the question, how can we allow God to continue to arise in our lives even when we're going through difficult times in life, whether it's financial issues, whether it's family issues, whether you're having issues at work or at school, how can we remain faithful and how can we continue to allow God to arise in our lives when we're going through a difficult time? And so I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Second Kings, Second Kings. I stumbled upon this story uh, many years ago and just recently read it again. And I, I started to ask myself some questions. Second Kings chapter six. This story is only seven verses long. It's a short story. It's one that's sandwiched between two very important stories. In other words, the, the stories that kind of bookend this one story deal with kings and wars and, and really some big stuff. And then right in the middle is this seven-verse story that when you read through it at first, you might think, well, that's a cute story. Yeah, I mean, that's nice. It kind of tells the power of God and shows how powerful Elisha was. And, and you might not get much of it, but a few weeks ago, I, w- I was reading through this story and I asked myself the question, okay, God, why is this story in the Bible? Like, it, it just can't be because it's a cute story. So I asked myself, why is this story here? And so I started to look and to, and to study and to put verses together. And I discovered that embedded in this story are life lessons that we can apply to our lives. And guess what? Those life lessons that are embedded in this story will help us to allow God to arise in our lives even when we're going through a very difficult time in life. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the seven verses in its entirety so that you kind of get a big picture of this story. And then we're going to go back to verse one and we're going to draw the lessons from this story. So verse one, chapter six, and the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there And let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. 
So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore... He said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. So kind of an interesting story, just seven verses long, sandwiched between two really important stories that deal with kings and wars and and, and miracles and whatnot. And so here you have this this seven-verse story. And I started to ask myself the question, what's the purpose for this story? What, What can we learn from this story? And as I started to uncover and as I started to dig, I realized that there are some lessons embedded in this story that can help us to allow God to arise in our lives even when we're going through difficult times in life. So here you have this group of guys. Um, Some parts it says, some parts in scripture says that there were about 50 of them. There's another part in scripture that says there were a hundred of them. So it is a growing group, but you have this this fellowship of guys. Maybe you can call them Elisha's disciples. Uh, Men that got together that wanted to know more about God, that wanted to experience God. Undoubtedly, they would spend time in prayer and fasting and and, and understanding the word of God and understanding what God's purpose is for their lives. And so here, it's a growing group. They get to the point where they say to Elisha, hey, we're getting too big here. The meeting place where we're at isn't big enough. And so they say, can we go build a larger place, cut down some timber, some beams so that we can, you know, create a larger place for our meeting? And Elisha says, yeah, go for it. So they go down by the river and they start chopping down trees. They start chopping down some wood. Now, this is hard work. Anyone here ever chop down trees with an axe? I mean, with a, with a saw, it's one thing. But with an axe, that's hard work. That is very hard work. It's tiring. Your shoulders, your back, they ache. And you have to have a really good axe in order to do this, right? I mean, because if it's a dull axe, you're going to be there all day. So you need to have a really good axe. Well, apparently... I'm not sure why exactly, but apparently axe heads flying off of the handle was a common thing in the Old Testament. Did you know this? I'm not making this up. It it was literally a common thing in the Old Testament because in the book of Deuteronomy, this is what it says in the book of Deuteronomy. It says, and this is the case of the manslaughter who flees there, that he may live. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in the past, listen to this, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbors to cut timber and his hand swings a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of these cities and live. It it is a law in Deuteronomy. So apparently this was a big deal in the Old Testament. In Bible times, it it sounds like there were axe heads flying all over the place. So so here, this happens to this young man where he's chopping down this this wood, this tree, and all of a sudden the axe head flies into the water and it 
obviously sinks to the bottom. You know, they say that, that no mineral that has the density of more than a gram per cubic centimeter will float. So obviously we know if you take iron and an axe head and you put it in the water, what's it going to do? It's going to sink. It's going to go way down to the bottom. And there the man is looking at it and he goes, oh my goodness, it was a borrowed axe. What are we going to do? Right? So that's the story. What are the lessons that we can draw from this story? Verse 1 and 2. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Lesson number one. Now, before I tell you, I just need to just say this. Young people here today, please perk up your ears. I want you listening to these five lessons that I'm going to share with you, especially if you're young, because if you are able to apply these life lessons to your life, the earlier, the better. Not to say that that we who are older, it doesn't apply God still can restore, God still can redeem, God still can use these lessons to help us. But I am just making a plea to all the young people here today to please listen because these lessons can really put your path, put your life on the right path, on the right journey. But lesson number one, it is okay. And we are even encouraged in scripture to set out goals. To set out goals for your life. It is okay to go before God and say, okay, God, what is your will for my life? And spend time praying, spend time considering his ways, his will, and then jot down some goals for your life. And those goals may sound something like, you know what? In two years, I want to make sure that I have an AS degree. Or four years from now, I want to make sure that I graduate from college. It is good for us to have goals. Now understand that in scripture, there's this balance between walking by faith, not by sight, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide your life wherever it may go. But there's this balance that says it's important for you to plan. It's important for you to have some goals in life that you can say, you know what, this is what I'm working towards. Did you know that the Bible says that without a vision, the people will perish? It's important to have those goals in life. Goals that say, you know what, these are some of the things I want to accomplish. And this applies to all of us. Of course, it applies to all of us. By the age of 40, I want to make sure that I've accomplished A, B, and C. By the age of 50, by the age of 60, by the time I'm 80, I want to make sure that I've accomplished A, B, and C. It is a good thing for us to set goals for our lives. I talk to young people all the time and I ask them, you know, what are you going to study when you go to college? And they say, you know, I'm not sure yet. That's okay. It's all right. But it's good for you to spend time in prayer before God asking yourself, okay, God, what is it that you want me to study? What is it that you want me to do? You know, ships that are going through difficult times that are going through the fog or through the storm, usually will have a focal point, a lighthouse, something that can guide their way. And when you set goals for your life, 
And of course, we're under the understanding that this is according to God's will. In other words, you've consulted God about these goals. When you set these goals in life, it helps you through those difficult times in life because it, keep, it keeps you going. It gives you direction. You know, so many times people don't have goals in their life. And as a result, when the storms of life hit, they just feel as though I'm not going anywhere. There's nothing to do. I'm all alone. It's good. And the Bible encourages us to set goals for our lives. These young men, we're guessing that there might have been a hundred of them, together came together and said, you know what? We have some goals. And one of those goals is to expand this school that we have, this place of meeting. And so they set this goal. Now notice, what did they do? They went to Elisha. And they asked them, hey, is this what you want us to do? Is this okay? Can we go about this? Right? And Elisha said, absolutely. Go for it. And so they set goals for their lives. Lesson number one. Now, lesson number two. Not as obvious when you read the text just when you skim over it, but it's there. And when you combine it with some of the other passages in Scripture, it becomes very, very clear That if you hope to allow God to arise in your life, even when you're going through difficult times in life, it is imperative. It is important, lesson number two, that you surround yourself with good people. That you surround yourself with good friends. And I know that as young people, you feel I'm indestructible, It's not affecting me. I'm okay. I can hang out with whoever I want. But the Bible teaches us that evil company, quote, evil company corrupts good character. And so it is important that we surround ourselves with good people, with godly friends, with a fellowship that isn't going to tear us down, but that's going to build us up. In a documentary that I just saw recently entitled Lost in Wound Socket about these two addicts who were struggling with the the disease of alcoholism. It said there was this one point in the documentary where it said that in order for anyone to change or to break that addiction or to change their habits, they need to change people, places, and things. In other words, the surroundings, what we surround ourselves with affects whether or not we're going to make it through those difficult times. Who we surround ourselves with will will determine whether we are in a position to allow God to arise in our lives through difficult times. And so that's why it's so important that we surround ourselves with good people. I will say this, if you're questioning at this time, whether my friends are a positive influence on me or not, just ask yourself this question. After spending time with them, do I look back and think to myself, man, maybe I shouldn't have done the things that I did. Do you think to yourself, man, maybe that was kind of questionable. Do you find yourself maybe getting in trouble after spending time with them? If the answer is yes to those, then chances are you might need to say, you know what, I need a break from you guys. I need a break from you girls. And I just need to focus a little bit on my relationship right now. And I need to surround myself with good friends because I don't want my good character to be corrupted with the evil company that I'm keeping. 
The third lesson that we learn from this, let's read on in verse 3. It says here, Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. Lesson number three. It is always, always, there is no exception to this. It is always a good idea to invite God on your journey. Okay, now whether it's a physical journey and you're traveling somewhere out of state on vacation, spend some time to invite God to join you on that journey. Now listen, I understand that God is everywhere. His presence is everywhere. I understand that. So it it might be a little, you might be thinking, well, why do I need to invite him to come if he's going to be there anyway? The reason why you do that is because it helps you make that conscious decision that guess what? God is in this vehicle with me because I invited. He is in this van as we're trying. He is in this airplane with me. And you invite God to be a part of your journey, whether it's a physical journey, whether it's a spiritual journey, whatever journey that might be, invite God to be a part of it. So God, I've outlined some goals for my life. So God, I've surrounded myself with some Christian good folks. Now God, I'm going to school next year. I am inviting you to please come with me. I cannot do it without you. And so here I am. I'm starting this new job. God, I am asking you to please go with me. God, I'm going to the grocery store. Please come with me. So God, I'm going to my neighbor's house to to reach out to them. Please come with me. So I'm entering into this new relationship. Please, God, come with me. So I'm logging on to Facebook. God, please come with me. Whatever journey you take, invite God to come with you. So lesson number one, set goals. Lesson number two, surround yourself with good friends. Lesson number three, invite God to come with you. Lesson number four. Let's read verse four here. It says, so he went with them and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. Did you notice that? See, I mean, if you just read through that, you might not, you not, might not catch it at first. But if you spend time just kind of mulling over these verses. Did you notice that he used the past tense? That he said, master, it was borrowed? Interesting that he didn't say, master, it is borrowed. See, this young man had lost hope. This young man had said, you know what? It's in the bottom of the river. There is no hope. It's gone. There's nothing that we can do. Lesson number four, never lose hope. Never lose hope. Because I am telling you that we serve a God. We serve a God who is a winner. We serve a God who knows things that we don't know. And that is working on your behalf in ways right now that you're not even aware of. There is no reason for us to ever lose hope. And you might be tempted to say, you know what? Forget about it. You might be tempted to throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm out of here. Don't lose hope. God hasn't given up hope on you. Don't lose hope on him. Don't lose hope. You're going through a difficult time. Believe that Jesus is able. 
Believe that Jesus is capable. Believe that he is powerful and almighty. And that right now he is working in your life to work out and to clear out whatever situation you might be in. You know, the Bible says that 90% of all things work to the good of those that love him. I'm sorry? It says all things, doesn't it? You know, it doesn't say, you know, I I think about sometimes, uh, I come through about 95% of the time. You know, I'm good on that promise about 99. No, it says all things work to the good of those who love him. All things. Don't lose hope. You might be in a relationship right now where you think there is just no hope. You might be currently in the middle of a business transaction where you think this is the end of me. You might be um, looking for a job and you've been looking for a job for three, five, six months and you say it's hopeless. What am I going to do with this degree? Listen, the lesson here, don't lose hope because God is able and he is capable to do more and beyond anything that you can possibly imagine. And so here, this young man had lost hope. And he says here, alas, master, for it was borrowed. (laughs) But verse 6, the man of God had different plans, right? He understood something that this young man did not. And so in verse 6, it says, so the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed them the place. So he cut off the stick and threw it in there. And he made the iron float. Unbelievable. I mean, this is crazy. The the guy had lost all hope and he thought, you know, we've lost that for good. But God says, no, 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 not true. What they intended for evil, I intend for good. There is no reason for you to lose hope. I haven't given up on you. He he promises that, that the work that I've started, I'm going to finish in your life. That there's no reason to lose hope. Just continue to trust in me. Continue to have faith in me. Lesson number five, here we go. In verse uh, seven, it says, Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Let me tell you a little secret here. A little secret that most people don't like to talk about, but it's the truth. It's the reality. There are times in life that, yes, God will intervene in your life and he'll take care of everything without your involvement. That is true. Sometimes that happens. But I'm telling you from personal experience and from, and from story after story after story in the Bible, most of the time God will ask you to be a part of the solution. Most of the time he's going to get you involved in the problem solving in your life. So it's not wise for us to just sit back and say, okay, God, here we go. Yes, it's important for us to surrender And say, okay, God, I'm surrendering to your will. What would you have me to do? Here, Elisha looks at this young man and the the iron had floated to the top and it was there. Elisha didn't go and pick it up for him. What did he say to the, the young man? He said, there it is. Go pick it up. This is a partnership. This is a journey that we're on together. I've done my part, God says. Now I need you to go do your part. Don't just sit back. No, no. Be proactive. Take some steps. Go grab the axe. I've provided a a way out. So lesson number five, understand that when you're going through a difficult time in life, God will oftentimes call us to do something. Now, as I said before, sometimes it's difficult to do this when we're going through a difficult time in life. But I'm telling you, 
that if you apply these five lessons to your life, you're going to find yourself, even through the difficult times in life, you're going to find yourself being someone that is allowing God to arise. And people will look in your direction and they will say, there's something different about this person. There's something different about this woman, about this man. They're going through a difficult time, but somehow they make me feel good. They, they make me feel positive. Somehow they, they just, they, they seem to have found an answer that I'm missing. And, and in that testimony, you're able to then share with them, listen, this is why I'm able to make it through. This is why I'm able to stay strong even through the storm because God's a part of my life. Let me share with you five lessons that I've learned and you share with them the things that you have applied into your life. Listen, it is possible. It is possible to allow God to arise in our lives when everything's good. But how do we allow God to arise in our lives when things are bad, when things aren't going our way? Set some goals for your life. Listen, surround yourself with good people. Invite God to be a part of your journey. Don't ever lose hope in God. And finally, God will involve you in that process. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. Next week, Robert Quintana continues his series, Mission Possible, by explaining how to allow God to arise in your family and make your mark for generations to come. Also, If you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m. and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.